Hi FM presents South African politics and news with the South African Institute of Race Relations. The IRR show, independent, relevant and real, is hosted by Sarah Gon every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10, promoting life, liberty and property rights. We're going to look at one of the key issues in the local elections. It's very key, and it wasn't always very, very key, but it's become profoundly a profound, profound problem in the municipalities of South Africa, and that is the supply of water. And some while ago, our, our guest spoke to us about the state of, of water in South Africa broadly and the politics and some of the politics around it. But today I really want to look at the issues of how do uh, water works literally work? Why do they break down? Is it rocket science to repair them? How do we deal with the huge problem? And to go into the extent of the problem, I'd like to welcome my guest, Dr. Anthony Turton. Anthony, are you with us? Good morning to you and the listeners. I'm just going to let them know that you are a trained scientist specializing in water resource management. Uh, with a robust publication record. Um, and I think that probably says it all. Um, I don't know if people remember the last time you were on. But as I say, we're now getting down to something much, much more mundane, and that is the fact that there have been numerous service delivery protests and horrific stories of the failure of municipalities to provide water to the residents that they serve. What, what largely are the reasons for this? Well, I think the reasons for it are, uh, if one had to highlight a specific problem, I would say that it is the loss of technical capacity at municipal level. And um, if you if you take a sort of concentric set of rings around that, then uh, the procurement process for services has also now disfavoured uh, the, the technically competent and ultimately many of the technical uh, technical services that used to exist in the country are no longer uh, financially viable. So they've either migrated out of the country or just gone out of business, gone into retirement, etc. So ultimately, that's what it comes down to. What we've seen, it, I mean, this really is, it's graphic in a way that the lack of electricity supply is not, although electricity supply is an issue for water provision. But one has seen documentaries and reports of the most appalling sites of literally clean water not being available to citizens, but sewer-strewn water is just leaking into into, into living areas. How, what goes wrong that, that allows this to happen, technically? Yes. Okay. Well, there, 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 there are many issues around that. So let me just first uh, unpack the issue of water and energy. Mm-hmm. The entire industrialization phase of South Africa, it can pretty much be traced, I think, if you look historically uh, to the 1960s, 1960s and 1970s. That was the era of, of aggressive industrialization of South Africa. And, and part of that industrialization was driven by international isolation uh, because of the prior status of the country. And uh, central to that was the whole idea of uh, getting energy from coal. We had massive coal resources in the Pumalanga High Felt, and we had no water there. So uh, the early engineering was uh, for water was all about getting water to to the coal fields in order to generate cheap electricity for uh, to, to to create this industrial uh, um, uh, rapid industrialization of the country. So water and energy are are intimately linked, have always been, and will always continue to be. 
And in fact, the whole city of Johannesburg could not be sustained uh, if it was not for a surplus of energy on the national grid because it requires an enormous amount of energy to pump water uphill. Johannesburg, uh, Pretoria being the only um, city or one of the only cities in the world that's not on a river, not on a lake, not on a waterfront, but on a continental watershed divide. So that's, a, that's the one aspect. But now because of that, we've now got structural issues. And the structural issues are that we need to take water from a resource. Uh, in, in, in technical terms, we refer to water in a river as the resource. That's what the National Water Act is about, water in a river. And we need to put it into a pipe. And that is now called water services. So water resource management is the management of bulk water from the river into, into the process plant. And then uh, your water services is the water management from the process part, water in the pipes, all the way through society, through factories, through homes, uh, to eventually uh, reporting to wastewater works, where this is essentially a sewage works, where the uh, water gets uh, processed and then returned back into the resource. So we have a circular economy in that regard and, and have always had that. And, of course, that has got all kinds of implications now once your system starts breaking down because it means that the whole the plumbing of society, for want of a better word, is such that uh, we all live downstream of someone else's sewage. And that's our problem. We're all increasingly having to drink someone else's sewage. And now with the technical breakdown of the water treatment plants upstream and the technical breakdown of the water so the sewage plant downstream, those two things, those two technical breakdowns are now becoming almost a catastrophic kind of failure situation for South Africa. Um, can, I, can I ask this? Um, given the, the, the process, particularly looking at the process of, of waste being processed and then returned, um, how complex or sophisticated or is the technology that goes into uh, waste um, Waste, waste, uh, surfacing plants that, that, sorry, okay. not clearly, but. Yeah, yeah, wastewater management. So you're asking no, about. No, wastewater the, management, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, so the technicality. Okay. So the technicalities are, they, they, they're not that, um, sophisticated for want of a better word, uh, um, up to a point. And then they, then they become extremely sophisticated. Mm-hmm. So they're not sophisticated in the sense that every single consumer of water in the country, so whether it's a factory or a hotel or a hospital or whatever, school or household, it has to get connected uh, to a gravity-fed to a gravity fed system by pipe. Mm-hmm. And that's the first part of the problem now. And that, um, that the, the maintenance of those pipes, they start off as relatively small bore pipes, 110 millimeter in diameter, and then they get progressively bigger as they collect more and more water out of a catchment area. Now, those pipes have not been maintained for many, many years. And you'll, it's a, it's a typical site you'll see in almost any suburb today that you've got some pop manhole in a, in a road somewhere or adjacent to a street. And that pop manhole is now spewing out, uh, large quantities of, uh, of, of raw sewage. Now that, now that is a simple maintenance matter. You know, someone has to, has to put a, put a, a rod through that pipeline every now and then and just clear out any, of the of the physical obstructions because there are many obstructions, one of them being congealed fat, uh, oils, fats, oils, and greases that come out of kitchens. And these things have an affinity uh, for each other. The molecules of fat, oil, and grease they 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 tend to uh, look for each other in the uh, 
in the in the in the water flow, and they coagulate around. Uh, let's call it you know globules of fat, and these things eventually start adhering to the inside of the pipes, and you start getting a, a, a restriction, almost like a almost like a cholesterol buildup in the human body, where your pipes are now are now sl- uh, uh, slowly constricted by this buildup of fatty material on the inside. Now, now the remedy for that is uh, is regular maintenance. You've got to have someone that puts down a metal rod, a flexible metal rod down the full length of the pipe. And when I say the full length of the pipe, a city like Johannesburg will have tens of thousands of kilometers of pipe uh, because you know it's just it's replicated at every at every uh, every street level. So, so that that is the first thing that is broken down. It's just the very basic scheduling of of having a crew going out there on a regular basis. Once every twelve months, putting a putting a rod down the system and clean it out. Can I can I just interrupt you there to ask you why what 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 is preventing this this sort of maintenance from being scheduled? Because from what you're saying, it sounds like it's fairly it's fairly stand it would be fairly standard worldwide that that to to prevent systems from blocking up. This is what needs to be done. It's 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 perhaps for those who know it's obvious. It's absolutely rock solid. Okay, I must say it's exacerbated by the fact that people put foreign objects down the uh, down the uh, the pipes, particularly uh, disposable nappies and stuff like that, and that's a huge problem. Okay, um, uh, uh, but basically uh, the question is what's stopping that? Well, nothing's stopping it other than the fact that there's no technically competent person that has to make the decision. You've got to have a qualified engineer in a municipality, and that qualified engineer. Uh, has to be responsible for a number of disciplines. So you, you normally need more than one engineer because you need an electrical one. You need a, you need a, a wastewater engineer. You need a, a road engineer. They bridge These are all different uh, engineering disciplines. So it's very difficult to get one engineer to cover all of those disciplines. Mm-hmm. But basically, uh, if you had a qualified engineer and, and if that engineer had the proper Political support uh, required. Then they would, as well as the budget, of course, they need to have a budget you know, to to mobilise the teams. Then you simply have a have have a, a routine system of 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 scheduled maintenance, and that mm-hmm. would go a long way in in, in solving a, a lot of certainly a lot of the lower level problems. So the, the problems in the piping reticulation system before it gets to the, okay. So it, it's a, it really it's just a it's a, simply a breakdown of. Uh, of, of, of the system, you know, it's a breakdown of the, uh, of the, of the normal standard application of, uh, of, 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 of the management uh, processes and principles. You, you, you are managing, you are managing a set of infrastructure that has got a, a, des- a finite design life and it requires a, a precise maintenance schedule. Mm. And that means that someone must make a decision that, that crew number one has to go to this suburb this week and, and, mm. and that suburb next week and they must rotate and they need equipment and they know the vehicle's battery mustn't be stolen and all, all of these other things that can go wrong have to be managed. Okay. So essentially one can achieve with, um, with, a, with a degree of obviously of, of, of qualification and skill and, and diligence really, uh, a considerable saving on, on water being lost and, uh, and, and inadequately maintained. So yes, because where that, do we go? Because, yeah. So because, because you see that, uh, uh, all water that flows unabated in a street or something like that is an indication of an underlying pathology. Mm. But it's also an indication of lost revenues to the to the municipality, 
And now you start getting into a vicious circle because once you start losing revenues through unaccounted water and a bad billing, etc., you suddenly start having a situation where you don't have enough money flowing into your, your, your operation and maintenance budget. Therefore, the teams are not adequately equipped. Then the team goes on strike because of a labor relations issue, so it doesn't happen anyhow. Or then the battery of the vehicle gets stolen. That's another issue. So, you know, basically the whole ball of wax starts falling apart at that mm-hmm. level. But that's where it's got to stop, you know. But, 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 but we've gone further than that now in South Africa mm-hmm. because, because unfortunately it's no longer just a pipe set of broken issue or blocked. It's now a situation where where the water plant itself is now damaged, and um, if I can just explain what happens yes, at, a, at a waste at, at a waste at a wastewater plant. So, so a wastewater plant now receives water from a catchment area, uh, much like a river, mm-hmm. and it's all uh, it's all gravity fed. So, in okay. other words, your, your your wastewater pipes all have to be laid on a on a constant gradient. So from an engineering perspective, it's fairly sophisticated, although it, it might not sound glamorous, but it's actually quite sophisticated engineering. And it, it, then the, you, you, get, you get a number of big, big bore pipes. And these pipes might be 1.2 meters in diameter. So quite, quite large pipes that come into the wastewater mm. works. And you have, you'll have a few of them coming in at one place. And the first thing that happens in the wastewater works now is it goes through a grid, uh, a stainless mm-hmm. steel grid. And the purpose purpose of that grid now, it's a large, it's a large diameter stainless steel grid. And the purpose of that is to, is to take out foreign, foreign uh, uh, articles, uh, things that are not biologically degradable. Mm. And this is where, this is where you get your, your, your nappies. And this is where you get, believe it or not, just millions upon millions of condoms. I have an incredible number of condoms come out of of, of that process there Uh, of all colors and shapes and forms. You'll, you'll, you know, it's it's mind boggling. you, of course, you, you get a whole lot of other other things that come out there. Uh, uh, for example, um, ear you know, earbuds. Just millions upon millions of little plastic sticks from mm-hmm. earbuds come out there. But that must get screened out at that point in time mm-hmm. because because none of that material is biodegradable. Mm-hmm. And one of the one of the one of the problems I've seen systematically in almost every failed wastewater works is that that grid that grid screen uh, um, has failed. It's broken. And because it's broken, what the, uh, what some worker does is they lift the, the screen out of the out of the, out of the flow, and of course that's catastrophic because now now uh, you get all of this unperishable material that now mm-hmm. goes down into the into the the rest of the process plant, and they just completely block up the waste. Completely, I've actually seen a uh, a wastewater works at uh, at Kungwini. Where, where the settlers were 100% blocked up with, uh, with feminine hygiene products, but mm. 100%, just mountains of the stuff. Okay. And none of the machinery could turn anymore. It was completely just blocked up like concrete. Mm. So, so, so the, 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 the next process that it goes through now is it, uh, it goes through uh, large tanks. Uh, these large tanks are, are, are typically square in shape and, and there's a, there's a machine there known as a turbulator. And what the turbulator does is it's a big motor with a gearbox and big paddles that sort of beat the surface, if you like, for want of a better word. Mm-hmm. And it causes a, 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 a spray to fry out from the, from the, from the point of contact with your paddles. And what the purpose of that now is to introduce oxygen into the system. Mm-hmm. So you're aerating the system because you've got bacteria living there and those bacteria uh, you need them to become uh, aerobic, and aerobic bacteria are very efficient bacteria because they, but they need oxygen to survive on. And so you say, so you aerate the system, and there are different ways of aerating it, but the, but the most primitive one is to just beat it with a, you know, with a, with a turbulator. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. And 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 at uh, at that point in time, you introduce some of the flow from downstream. And the reason why you introduce the flow, there's like a feedback loop. And the reason why you do that is because the feedback loop is rich in these bacteria that you now want to introduce in the top top end of the system again. So you constantly recycle these bacteria around because you want them to to you know, to, to, to grow uh, and multiply in that uh, oxygenated environment. What then happens now is all these little bacteria start forming what is known as a flock, and they start coming together. They coagulate much like your fatty globules do in the pipe. They come mm. together and they form flocks, and you and and the flocks are are, are heavier than uh, um, than the water, so gravity kicks in and the flocks start settling to the bottom. Mm-hmm. And that's what you want. You want the, you want the flocks to settle at the bottom, and that that is take that takes place in the in the, in the next part of the process um, uh, in a series of of settling tanks that have got a, a conical base to them. And uh, these things can be very big. They can be, you know, sort of 60, 50 meters in diameter, large, large setting tanks, very slow flow. You don't want any turbulence in the flow because then you upset the flocks. Mm-hmm. And, and and so you, at that point in time now, you get uh, the clean water starts floating off onto the top and that gets skimmed off around the edge of the tanks. And then uh, your your your, your uh, organic material settles in the bottom and it then gets processed as sludge. But some of that goes back into the upstream of the system just to re-inoculate the system again. And that's mm-hmm. called uh, the, the system there is known as an activated sludge treatment process. Where that's what we use in South Africa, activated sludge. Then, then, then from there, it just goes through a, through a, a period of sort of settling and, uh, and, and cleaning up. And the final phase, basically, your sludge is now removed from the, from the system. And your sludge is put through what are known as bench presses, uh, where water is squeezed out as you, you dewater your sludge. Because you now have to dispose of that sludge. And that, of course, is a technically complex issue because in the sludge, you've got not only bacteria, but you've also got all kinds of pathogens. And of course, you've got lots of metals. Heavy metals are concentrated. So, so, so you've got to, you've got to take a, you know, you've got to, uh, uh, you've got to dispose of this in a, in a, in a correct way. And, and I've seen in many wastewater works that they don't dispose of it correctly. And, and ultimately they plow it into the fields around the lake and eventually the fields become completely waterlogged. And I've seen tractors up to their axles, uh, you know, bogged down in, in, in sludge. At that yeah. stage, then the, the water is now clean and it is then, uh, literally it's crystal clear. It's actually very, very good quality water at that stage. And it is then put in a, uh, in a, in a, sort of in a holding tank just to, just to, to let it, you know, uh, settle out completely. And it then goes through what's known as a, uh, as a chlorine contact channel. It's basically a flue. It's a concrete uh, designed structure where, where you get water of a known, known flow rate. And into that, they introduce either ozone, okay, either ozone or, or, or chlorine. From what you've said, you're looking at a, a process that is is multifaceted, is fairly is is confined into a is confined into a single plant, and requires would require expertise both to run it and to manage it, and management that can instruct. Um, it's workforce to do the right thing in, in processing, correcting, repairing any aspect of it. Um, do we, from a managerial point of view, do we have the same problems as we have in the, in the, in the, in the simpler processes of, of clearing the system? Are we, are we short of engineers or, or is it poor management? Are we getting yes, staff doing stuff that they, they don't really know what they should be doing, but they do something? During the outbreak, I just made a note here just to, just to try and get an indication for the listeners of the range of disciplines that are required uh, on site. 
so, 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 so the first discipline that you need is an instrument, uh, your instrument system. So your instrumentation technicians. Um, there are lots of instruments that are plugged in all over the show. And I've been to a number of wastewater works where the instruments are broken, clearly broken. The wires corroded off the, clearly a year or so ago, hasn't sent a signal through for a long time. And no one's ever said, oh, the, I'm not getting a signal from that instrument. Something must be wrong. So your instrumentation is important because that tells you that that, that, that manages the process within certain parameters. Mm-hmm. Then, of course, the, 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 the second level of skill that you require is a technician. And there's a range of technicians, but the technicians are people, they, uh, they walk around and they sort of maintain things, the system, they keep the system going. Then you get a process operator, and the process operator is a critical person because they understand the whole system, and they normally open valves and close valves or keep pressures in a certain range or, you know, or turn pumps on, or so, but then they understand the system very often intuitively um, uh, because the instruments that are broken down, they, they just they fly they're flying this airplane by the seat of their pants now with no more no more instruments to guide them. So your process controllers are critically important people. Then you get another level of skill, which is uh, the troubleshooter, because when things go wrong, uh, you know we, all kinds of things go wrong because you've got a biological process at work here now. Just, just imagine now somebody has decided to flush some medication down a toilet upstream, and in that in that medication now you've got antibiotics. So now you've got a bunch of antibiotics coming down the system, and all of a sudden your flocks don't form because your bacteria are being killed by the mm, antibiotics. Mm. So suddenly your process is all out of alignment now. So so you need a troubleshooting person, person that come in and, can, and with deep skills and can say, listen, in, in, the, in my last experience when this happened, this is what we need to do. And very often that deviates from the normal standard. And then, of course, you've got to get your planned maintenance people. So there's got to be a schedule, like a spreadsheet that says, you know, once every three months we're going to change the gland water, or we're going to change that, we're going to oil the oil the bearings, or we're going to, you know, inspect the the temperatures of the motors to see if they're running true, or we're going to take the pumps out and you know, and, and and maintain them, etc. And then, of course, where everything goes wrong in this whole process is procurement. Mm. Uh, because procurement has been captured as a as a source of patronage, so your procurement is is very often fraught, and and this is where your pilfering takes place, and this is where you get large scale corruption taking place in the procurement department. And um, I was in fact uh, um, invited in with the military when the military was first deployed into the uh, Val Triangle, mm-hmm. uh, into Infoleni. Uh, yeah. I was brought, I was brought in at that point in time by the General Officer Commanding Engineering Services. Uh, there were th- there were three of us that were brought in uh, as, as, as experts to advise them. And what surprised us all, all, all three of the experts that were brought in, was, uh, was the way that they were handling chlorine gas, which is a highly dangerous gas, and all of the chlorine management systems that had, had failed. Uh, they, they were so broken and so corroded, the instrumentation didn't work. And uh, the first thing that I said to the general was, under no circumstances are any of your men or, 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 or staff to come into this chlorine area because it's so dangerous. And in fact, I, I, I suggested that he should t- treat that chlorine area like a, like an unexploded uh, bomb. Basically, yeah. you know, you, you don't let anyone go in there unless they're properly qualified for that kind of thing. So, so all of those things, uh, there are many things that can go wrong. Fairly simple if it, uh, if it, if, if it works in harmony. But uh, if it doesn't work in harmony, then, then, then your, your, the problem just uh, breaks down and more and more and more and it accelerates as it, uh, and as time progresses. But in the end, the water should be of such a good quality that you put it in this in this contact channel, and that there's a steady flow to that channel, and that's that takes it back to the nearest river. 
And mm. the last thing that happens is you either put ozone into it because ozone just nukes whatever's left inside there, whatever virus or bacteria is left inside, or else they put chlorine in. And they just, uh, they just, you know, chlorinate the water, make sure that there's no residual pathogen in it. And that system's also by and large broken down in, in, in about two thirds of the wastewater works in the country. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, what you, what you paint is a, is a picture of, I suppose, two things. The one is that the provision of water is a complex, is a complex process, but it's, uh, it's, it's, it's standard. The, the, it, it's, it's not, unique to South Africa. It's not unique. It is how things work and can work and should work. But that what largely prevents him from working are all the underlying structural problems that we would see with the, with the a lack of skills, a lack of knowledge, a lot of lack of qualification, the corruption that comes with, with, um, with procurement in particular. And the, this extraordinary idea that somehow not doing things correctly as would be needed to provide clean water is somehow going to come right or it doesn't matter if it doesn't. And we're just going to carry on until we've reached a point that we've now reached, which is that whole whole communities are not receiving clean water in any form whatsoever. Well, you see, I hate to be the prophet of doom, but the, but the, but the logical outcome of the inability to interpret a signal from your operational environment that things are going wrong, the logical outcome for that has to be catastrophic failure. Mm, mm. So any engineering person will tell you that, you know, when you're receiving signals from your environment that uh, your operating systems are no longer, you know, in balance, uh, this mm. pressure is too high or there's not enough there or that motor's not turning. And you get those signals, unless you can interpret those signals into a, into a, a, a strategy, a mitigation strategy, then the outcome is always assured you're going to have a catastrophic failure. And by virtue of the fact that we've got 824 wastewater works in the country, and we've got just over 1,000 uh, water treatment plants, that's the, that, that, those are the plants that take uh, water out of the river and, and convert river water now to potable drinking water. Uh, But, uh, you know, we've got quite a lot of plants around the country, but because our wastewater plants are discharging uh, huge quantities of of raw sewage into the rivers, uh, not none of the thousand or so uh, bulk water treatment plants can cope for the simple reason that they were never, ever engineered in the beginning when they were functioning well. They were never engineered to convert sewage flows into potable water. So, therefore, the breakdown of the sewage is Okay, the critical issue, and it's uh, it's, re- it's, you know, it's really not rocket science uh, because uh, I'll, I'll just sort of like to make one statement, you know, to to, to correct the problem. Mm. The problem is that we've moved away from a skills-based system where people are held accountable into mm. a patronage-based system where people are rewarded for loyalty. That is our problem. And until mm-hmm. we can overcome that fundamental problem, we need skills, skilled people, and we hire and fire according to competence, not according to loyalty. That's our problem. Anthony, thank you very, very much for coming on. That's, that's, ex- that's exactly the sort of information I wanted to put forward to our audience in order to understand how a issue, an issue, a, a municipal election can deal, needs to deal with an issue as at once complex and at once as simple. As the, as the management of water. Thank you very much for your time. Pleasure. Thank you very much.